What's going on, traders? Welcome to the Specs Attack, where we definitely, definitely are going to go ahead and have a great interview today, guys. YAC Sports United. Get ready, guys. We'll be getting into that in a little bit. First things first, we'll be going through our headlines, and then we'll be talking about some trade ideas. There's definitely some ideas out there. Welcome to the show, the Specs Attack, baby. What up, what up, what up, what's going on, traders out there? Welcome to the SPACs Attack. This is where we talk everything SPACs, and if you're a big SPAC fan out there, definitely give me a big thumbs up. Yes, I'm turning up today. Enjoying the day, have had a great day in the market, and there's nothing better than to go ahead and bring on my man, you already know him, Chris Opedia. What's going on, brother? Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, happy to be back on this Monday. Oh, you guys already know I'm, I'm I'm turning it up today. I'm going to go to the moon, baby. Chris, I'm I'm enjoying the day. As you can tell, I may have had a little too much coffee this morning, but other than that, I think there's some spacks moving. There's probably some headlines you want to talk about. What's going on, man? How was your weekend? Weekend was great. Uh, you know, happy watching the Euro 2020 as we talked about on Friday. Um, we got some matches going on today. We got matches every day. Uh, you know, exciting times. But yeah, there's some some stuff to talk about for SPACs for sure. We did have one deal announced this morning. We've got a couple rumors floating out there. And of course, we've got an exciting interview coming up later today with a SPAC deal that was just announced on Friday. Yes, yes, there's a lot going on. We got a great interview to get into. And like always, we got great people in the chat. If you're new to the show, say hello. This is what it's all about. We definitely make it a community here on SPACs Attack. So give us a thumbs up, hit the share button, let everybody know why IC is coming on next. And this is the time where you get your information. It's called Taking Us Back to the Headlines. All right. Yeah, guys. So let's dive in on this Monday. Up first, we have uh, VLDR, Velodyne LiDAR. So the company announced the next generation of its Velobit sensor for autonomous solutions. Um, so that news out today, which addresses the cost, safety, and design challenges of autonomous solutions and state-of-the-art performance. Um, you know, this is going to cover several industries, including automotive and new mobility, autonomous mobile robots, industrial forklift and warehouse, infrastructure and smart city, sidewalk and last mile delivery, and UAV mapping and navigation. Companies saying that this is designed for mass production um, as early as the fourth quarter of 2022, um, you know, already winning awards for this new launch. Uh, key customers and other top global innovator innovatives are already scheduled to uh, attend some upcoming Velibit demo days um, where they'll be able to see that in action and also make reservations. Also want to note that last week, Velodyne's largest shareholder, David Hall, commenting on the new election of Eric Singer, to the company's board saying that he is uh, pleased with that and it's the first step towards fixing the company's broken governance and lagging performance. Remember that Velodyne has been in a battle um, between its former founder and some current uh, members of the board of directors. So nice to maybe see them moving beyond this as they do have that exciting LiDAR technology coming out. Um, so I would hate to see you know a board battle uh, you know, get behind this. And then someone already asking in the chat, of course, we've got to talk Lordstown Motors. And I'm sure we'll get into that later on the watch list, but shares plunging today after it was announced that the CEO, Steve Burns, and also the chief financial officer, Julio Rodriguez, both resigning from the company, uh, Lordstown Motors admitting that they had inaccurate pre-order disclosures. 
this comes the week after the company already uh, filed that they need cash. They need cash immediately um, or they will not be able to produce those new endurance pickup trucks. Company has been in talks with uh, several uh, companies or banks over some financing, but there's been no details. We're seeing, uh, you know, uh, analysts throw in the towel one last week, you know, announce no price target. I saw a $3 price target out there today from an analyst. There's not a lot of new stuff to say here. With Lordstown Motors, shares are down 20%, hitting $9. You know, this is one I said was a sell going into that Ford event. Um, you know, I think with the, the the large auto companies catching up to electric vehicle trade now, and also obviously you have uh, Tesla um, with the Cybertruck coming out. You know, I, I just don't know about Lordstown. There is the chance that they will get, you know, a play here from a larger auto company as maybe an acquisition or an investment, which could send shares higher. But for me, I'm I'm just staying away from, from ride at these levels. Keep an eye out on that one, though. We have Cano Health, C-A-N-O, which recently completed that SPAC merger, um, you know, just started trading as the new ticker. And already active today announced that they are acquiring University Healthcare for $600 million and raising their guidance. So this is a bolt-on acquisition to help them uh, specifically in the fragmented Florida market. Um, so now they see full-year EBITDA of $100 million to $110 million and membership guidance of $154,000 to $162,000. Revenue guidance now falling between $1.4 and $1.5 billion, uh, saying that both companies share similar uh, ideals and also, you know, this will help them grow in Florida and other areas. So this is a, a decent size acquisition, again, $600 million. They see it helping with organic growth, new market entry and targeted acquisitions, which are their three key initiatives to meet that massive opportunity in value-based primary care. Um, so keep an eye out on this one. Cano Health right now specializes in primary care for seniors in some of the largest states like Florida and Texas, also Puerto Rico and additional markets in development. So keep an eye out, uh, C-A-N-O. Uh, one of the largest SPAC deals out there, AGC, merging with Grab, uh, announcement that this merger will be delayed until the fourth quarter of this year. Not a huge surprise here. I think we're going to see some of these deals uh, pushed back. We do have this huge June calendar, obviously, and I think there's going to be a backlog uh, of companies waiting to file. But it looks like in Grab's case, you know, just uh, pushing this back. Uh, still looking to close by the end of the year, though. Um, so keep an eye out on that one. On Friday, the merger between ACTC and Proterra was approved. Uh, shares will trade as PRTA later this week. I do own shares of ACTC. And a couple of rumors. So uh, we have Churchill Capital 5, that CCV is the ticker. Um, uh, in talks with uh, Thrasio, a startup company that rolls up Amazon.com marketplace brands, that rumor coming from Bloomberg. Could value the company uh, at $2 billion, but also saying that it could reach up to $10 billion. That's quite the range. So for me, CCV, I mean, it's going to depend on what we get the, the uh, acquisition price at now. I think having that huge range is going to put some pressure on this deal. But remember, they're a main partner of Amazon, where they essentially work with Amazon on some of those e-commerce brands. Um, and help them reach new sellers through the third-party marketplace. So keep an eye out on that one. And then our big rumor out there, um, this one I saw over the weekend uh, from Sky News, uh, Virgin Orbit, which is a satellite launch company owned by Sir Richard Branson's Virgin uh, Group, could announce a SPAC merger in the coming weeks. They're in exclusive talks with NextGen Acquisition Corp. 2, that ticker is NGCA. Uh, company is 80% owned by Virgin Group, 20% owned by a sovereign wealth fund of Abu Dhabi. And this could value the company at $3 billion. So Virgin Orbit is led by CEO Dan Hart, who is a former executive uh, with Boeing. He worked with Boeing for over 30 
years uh, with the space program. Um, so obviously a big name there. And then Virgin Orbit was spun off of Virgin Galactic uh, SPCE four years ago. Um, Next Gen Acquisition 2 is led by former Goldman Sachs banker George Matson, who is on the board of directors for Virgin Galactic. So there could be some uh, you know, ties between the two companies once again. Matson also serving on the board of directors for Delta Airlines. Virgin Orbit also getting some positive momentum uh, with the photos of United Kingdom Prime Minister Boris Johnson posing in front of the company's launch rockets ahead of the G7 summit this weekend. Virgin Orbit launched 10 small satellites into space in January. They're scheduled to launch more by the end of June. They're one of only two commercial small satellite operators to hit that milestone. Main competitor is Rocket Lab, which is going public with ticker VACQ. So Virgin Orbit plans to launch satellites from locations in California, Guam, and Japan with additional locations being considered. Uh, shares of NGCA up about 6% right now, 1036. Uh, looks like we did see some heavy action in pre-market trading. I'm actually a little surprised that this one is not up more. Um, it will be on my radar today. Uh, remember that uh, Virgin Orbit, when it was rumored with um, you know VGAC, with uh, you know some of these other big SPACs, they they were trading much much higher um, as Virgin Orbit, one of those companies that everyone wanted a piece of in the space market. So keep an eye out NGCA. I think this one moves higher when the deal is officially announced. And then speaking of deals, we turn to our deal announced this morning. We have SVOK, that's Seven Oaks Acquisition Corp. Been rumored to acquire Boxed. That deal is officially announced. So Boxed is a our uh, proprietary end-to-end AI and robotics-driven e-commerce company uh, shopping experience for bulk consumables. So they're projecting 40% 2022 revenue growth. Um, founded in 2013, uh, you don't have to have a store membership as you would at a Costco um, you know, or a Sam's Club. So they differentiate that way. Also, pure play e-commerce. Um, you know, as opposed to those retail locations. And, and the big focus here using artificial intelligence and robotics-driven technology and also business-to-business capabilities that set them apart. Um, they signed a software-as-a-service partnership agreement with one of Asia's largest retail conglomerates back in January. Um, they also work with several Fortune 100 enterprises uh, they're vertically integrated, uh, you know, all the way consumer um, to the business. So keep an eye out on this one. Revenue $212 million this year, $306 million projected next year. And this deal uh, done at a $640 million uh, enterprise value. So decent uh, valuation here uh, compared to some of those revenue numbers. So keep an eye out on this one. I, I actually am liking this one the more I dive into it. Um, so SVOK, keep an eye out uh, with that box deal. Um, that's what I've got for headlines and that uh, we do have on our calendar this week. We have several stocks changing over to new tickers. So it looks like CCX will become SKIL today. We have SSPK becoming MAPS tomorrow. Uh, ACTC becoming PTRA later this week. And VGAC becoming ME for 23andMe. And then we do have a couple votes uh, tomorrow, FAIA, or FAII, excuse me. Uh, the 16th, we have CRSA. And on the 17th, we have ACAC and HEC. So it looks like uh, four ticker changes and four votes this week. So not quite as many as last week, but still a very busy week out there. Uh, that's what I've got, Mitch, for headlines and that deal and that calendar we've got. All right. All right. Just wanted to make sure I could get this in before I came back on here. So one of the things that I've been doing, guys, is playing the pattern, right? You guys have been hearing us talk about this kind of newer pattern. I actually sold out of VGAC this morning, uh, taking some profit into that one. Uh, that was a good one. I got that one out at 11.50, so can't be mad about that. Uh, Going to be looking to get into a couple other ones FTLC is one that I'm in right now, but I could get stopped out today uh, just because it's starting to break down. 
but we'll see if we kind of can this pattern to continue. One that I'm going to take a shot on at FCAC, and that date is going to be on the 629. So take a look at that one, guys. That one's going to be merging, uh, changing over to share care. So I'm going to be keep watching that one. That one was at $10 right now. I took a shot on that one, and that's on the 629. What I'm noticing is they're coming out a little bit further out and trying to hit these a little bit further out, trying to get a little bit in front of the move so that they can see that move come up towards that 11. We'll see if it kind of continues. That one's one that I'm just going after right now. That's FCAC. I just grabbed it right now, 10. Now I'll take a shot off of 990s. I don't think that's a bad look. Take a shot off of that. All right, guys, let's keep going. Let's get into everybody's favorite time when we do get into our interviews. This is where we unlock some SPACs. So definitely let us know, guys, if you guys are excited to see the interview that's going to be coming on next. We got YAC, Cigna Sports. Let's go ahead and let's get into it. Chris, this is when we go ahead and unlock them SPACs. All right, guys. Yeah, uh, another exciting, exclusive interview here on SPACs Attack. So joining us on the show, we have... Steven Zoll, the CEO of Cigna Sports, which recently announced a SPAC merger, the ticker YAC, on Friday. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us on SPACs Attack. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for having me, Chris and Mitch. Very happy to be on. Definitely, definitely excited to have you on. You know, one of the things is we were able to kind of like break this, and now one of the things is having you on here. I'm super excited right after it. Let's go ahead and let's get right after it. Chris uh, Chris is going to ask some questions and I'll be back with some of my own. Yeah, perfect. So let's dive in. You know, the biggest question we always like to start with here on SPACs Attack is why a SPAC merger to bring a company like Cigna Sports public and was a traditional IPO a consideration? Great. Yes, of course. So let me give you a bit of background to Cigna Sports United. Not everybody might be so familiar with us. We've been, we're in the sports space. We are an e-commerce company in uh, bike, tennis, team sport, and outdoors. Those are our four verticals. And next to our e-commerce business, we've built a platform that powers our own uh, businesses and also powers third-party businesses. Like, for example, very soon, the ATP, all of their digital commerce activities are run on our systems and many, many other things. So that's us in a nutshell. And we've been nicely growing uh, in, a, in, a, in the last couple of years with more than 25% every year. So, you know, a growth company, obviously, needing capital and looking at the capital markets, uh, you know, always. So we've been, if, if you wish, looking at regular IPOs and SPACs. And there's two big advantages for us in terms of SPACs. One is that we can actually talk about the growth in the future because we can project and talk about projections right, that you can't do in the regular IPO process. That's important for us because we have so many different opportunities of growth that we want to inform investors firsthand. And second, that's probably even more important, with the SPAC, uh, we also did an acquisition of a very large uh, you know, online bike retailer in, out of the UK called Wiggle CSC, Wiggle Chain Reaction Cycles. And that deal could have been basically, that, that acquisition was, was happening in parallel to the DSPEC process, which is not possible in a regular IPO process, as you know, right? So eventually we, couldn't, we di didn't have to take the foot off the gas when it comes to acquisition. Uh, we could do that in parallel with the spec and that, that, those two things were super attractive for us to do. Hence, uh, you know, the spec, the spec road was, was making it. Yeah, absolutely. So you hit on a little bit uh, about Cigna Sports. You know, obviously people here in the U.S., um, you know, may not be as familiar with the company. One of the slides I really like is um, SSU, the hidden champion of sports e-commerce and tech um, that was in your company's presentation. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a background on how SSU could be the hidden champion, uh, you know, of the sports e-commerce market? Yes, yes, good, great question. So first of all, we, we're, not a, we're not a journalist sports store, right? We've really focused on four categories right now, on biking, on or cycling, on, on tennis, on team sports, which is largely soccer and basketball, and also on, on outdoors. So that's us, and we are a specialist. We are a group of specialist companies in those spaces. Uh, if you bring that chart back up, right, you see our size here. 1.6 billion is our size in net revenues this fiscal year. This fiscal year for us ends in September. And that's quite a sizable company that you might not have heard of before, right? And it's because we have con con conglomerated all of these different uh, companies, you know, under Signa Sports United, which do great, great businesses in those four verticals. 
Um, and what's important to know as well is that we really focus on those verticals. We might come into that a little bit more in detail through the interview, but you know, we're not catering a one-stop, uh, one-size-fits-all proposition for consumers. If you're a passionate biker, you really go to our shops to buy bikes because we have a very nice experience geared towards bike enthusiasts, right? Similar for tennis, similar for outdoor, similar for team sports. And just to give you one example, 89%, uh, that's where it starts, availability of the products. 89% of the products we sell in bike, you wouldn't even find on Amazon, for example, right? Something that people wouldn't expect. So very specific to these four verticals. And then overall, the size is quite quite decent. That's why that's why we call ourselves a hidden champion. That uh, not everybody has noticed that yet. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So let's start with uh, the bike market. So we saw there, you know, that the biking segment is the main driver for revenue, and we also had this acquisition of Wiggle CRC, the second largest online bike retailer globally. Um, you know, lots of people have obviously heard that during the pandemic, it seemed like bike sales, you know, really skyrocketed. It was hard for people to even locate and find bikes. So how does Cigna Sports play into the bike market and how can they continue to grow um, during and after the pandemic for a already hot, hot market? Yes. So you bring up a slide right here, which is e-mobility disruption. That's one of four or more mega trends that we believe are very important for us and the industry to continue growth, right? Independent of COVID. COVID has pushed it even more during the time of the pandemic, but the, the, these mega trends have been around for, for much, much longer. And we believe they will stay for much, much longer as well. So let me give you a couple of, of explanations here. E-mobility disruption. That's not about e-cars. It's about e-bikes, right? So electric bikes that you can take perfectly for commuting or also to climb the second uh, mountain after the first, you know, because you might be exhausted and so on. So it's a great tool. And uh, eventually the projections of uh, units being sold over the next three years outpaces the number of e-cars being sold by six and a half times. So we'll see 130 million e-bikes coming to market, you know, in the next three years alone. And that's super relevant for us because we are the largest with Wiggle CSC together now you know, we were number one before, Wiggle was number two. Now we marry number one and two together. We are by far the largest uh, online bike reseller or seller in, in the market globally. And, uh, you know, we're shipping more than 300,000 fully assembled bikes out there. And a large part of that is e-bikes. So that, that's one of the trends that we are very bullish about uh, to continue. Next to maybe two, three others that are more general, right? That's not necessarily only bike. So uh, health and lifestyle, right? Very important trend out there. People want to stay longer, healthier. Right. And obviously doing sports, cycling or other sports like tennis outdoors is a great means to stay healthy and to live a longer, better life. Right. So that, that's something that's in, independent of COVID. It's, it's just a long term sustainable trend, just like the second one here on the chart, sports digital, digitalization. So you see more and more trackers, devices, cameras, apps, sensors, right? everything surrounding when you do sports. Right. In a bike, in an e-bike, you have all kinds of sensors already. There's more and more coming. In a tennis racket, you will find sensors very soon and so on. So all of that digitization is basically also driving parts of the growth. And then last but not least, as we are an e-commerce uh, you know, player here uh, and an e-commerce and tech platform, the shift from consumer behavior from buying offline and now buying online more and more, also sports equipment, right? Not just your electronic device, not just your fashion item, but also your bike or your tennis racket. That shift is, is playing obviously also in, into our strengths because that gets more and more people buying online. Uh, and that's also continuing after COVID, uh, you know, a lot. So we're very, very bullish about the future in terms of growth opportunities and about our position in that great growth market. Yeah, so, you know, we, we spent some time on the, the bike segment. I'd love to hear more on, you know, the other three. So tennis, uh, team sports, and outdoor. You mentioned with tennis a, a partnership with the ATP. And then also some comments there about, you know, maybe some sensors in tennis rackets. What do we have to look forward to in, in these three verticals? And, you know, where do you see the pie landing as far as uh, the four segments uh, making up the revenue uh, percentage here? Right. So let, let, let's start with the market again, uh, Chris, right? So if you saw the chart before, these four verticals that we operate in, so bike, tennis, outdoor, team sports, are actually large parts of the market, right? You see that at the bottom there. And they're, they're, gro they're growing the best in the sports retail uh, environment. So we're very happy to have, be part of those four, four verticals here. 
Uh, in terms of tennis, right, more specifically, um, yes, there's a lot of, you know, cameras at the tennis courts now more and more, right, where we can actually record your game, not just on a professional circus, but also amateur circles, sensors in the record that basically see how the stringing works for you, how you swing the record and gives you, you know, you can, you can basically make analysis of that and see what you could improve and how you could improve that if that's the right record for you, if that's too much heavy or not, and so on and so on. These types of things are happening in tennis, very exciting. And we have already built the, the largest tennis e-commerce player in the world, uh, almost twice the size of the second, to be honest, with, with all of our propositions in tennis. And we are working very, very closely with all the brands, right? The Wilsons, the Babolats, the heads of the world, uh, in order to really shape this industry forward and make tennis you know, a, a great sport continuously and, and grow the market um, as, 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 we, as we want to uh, grow it because it's a very attractive sport. And then same for outdoor and team sports. So overall, you know, talking about the pie, um, the pie of our revenue split, you know, as all of our categories are growing pretty similar around the 25 to 30% range, the pie doesn't necessarily change organically that much. It will probably change if we do more acquisitions. We might cover that a little bit later, but acquisitions is also one part of our playbook here in the past and will be in the future. And if we did another bigger acquisition in one of the other verticals, right, uh, be it by tennis, uh, team sport or outdoors, that will change the pie more than our organic growth, which is, which is again, quite, quite consistent across the verticals. So we saw, you know, at one of those first slides that, you know, revenue base is, is heavily concentrated right now in Europe. So let's dive in a little bit. Um, we'll start with the US, you know, since uh, that's where a lot of our viewers here are from. How yeah. does Cigna really attack the U.S. market? I know there is two pending acquisitions um, with uh, Midwest Sports and Tennis Express. Maybe tell us a little bit about those acquisitions and then the game plan for the U.S. market here. Right, right. So Midwest Tennis is a uh, number three tennis online player out of the U.S., right, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, actually, that deal is signed and closed, so that's, that's, that's fully done. Uh, we did that uh, end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, that's the number one acquisition we did. Second acquisition is Tennis Express is the number two tennis online player out of the U.S. Uh, from uh, Houston, Texas. That deal is signed, not closed yet. So with these two acquisitions by size, we are you know at or even a little bit bigger probably than the number one currently in the market. You know at least very close to that. So that's our entry point in terms of the U.S. from a tennis proposition perspective. Now, what do we want to do? We want to actually refresh, you know, the experience around tennis online as we've done so in, uh, in, uh, in Europe. That means that we not just sell the goods like you would do it over the last 10 years, right? We also connect with the industry very heavily. So that means the brands that I said, right, offer special editions, offer exclusive products that you wouldn't get anywhere else. We tie and connect with the associations around us. So in this, uh, this respect, the ATP is a great deal that we announced a couple of weeks ago, where we will be the exclusive uh, partner of choice for running all their merchandising digitally and all their uh, you know, activities digitally. So think about a big tournament in the future, the US Open, right? French Open just finished. US Open, uh, you know, let's see if it's already this year or, or next year, where you know, there's apps out there where you can, can get guided through the tournament, right? Uh, where, who's playing when, where's the court, where's the next merchandise, and so on and so on. All of these things will run uh, you know, on our platform. So that's how we tie together the different constituents in the industry of tennis and try to improve the user experience, you know, much, much more than just the e-commerce transaction-based experience. It's more around the entire ecosystem. One more thing, maybe we have an app in, in, in the German-speaking world here. It's called My Tennis. That's actually the largest tennis community where you find all kinds of content around the tennis circus, both in terms of professional circus, right? All the scoring, all the ranking, everything interviews, backstage interviews with your stars and everything, and also the amateur circus, right? There's a heavy, heavy tournament cycle, obviously, in Europe. And so if you if you can find as an amateur player how your league was playing digitally and, and you were playing against whoever, right, and, and, and all the other uh, teams in your league, that's an exciting proposition, right? And that's something we launched here, something similar we could imagine over time as well that might be relevant for the U.S. in one way or the, or the other, right? We certainly will adapt these things to the U.S., but that's kind of our game plan. So not just uh, plain vanilla e-commerce, but trying to cater to the needs of the tennis enthusiasts and bring together the industry uh, to the benefit of the consumer. That's eventually our game plan. Perfect. Great explanations there. You know, obviously international expansion, uh, a key here. So we had revenue of $849 million in 2020. Uh, the company now sees $1.6 billion uh, for 2021, part of that coming from the acquisition 
what's the plan? How does Cigna hit $1.6 billion this year? What's the, the breakdown here uh, with some of the acquisitions and that organic growth? Right. So the organic growth has been 25% uh, plus minus right over the last three years, actually plus. And this is continuously the case this year as well. So if you do the math, right, the rest will come through the acquisitions roughly, right? Um, the, 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 the business of Wiggle CSC alone is a roughly 500 million US dollar business. Uh, but keep in mind that uh, we, we take it in now. So our fiscal year is ending September, right? So you don't get the full benefit of the whole year in there. Uh, but that's so, so we're pretty comfortable that the 1.6 will be landing. Uh, more importantly, how does it go forward, right? Um, so we foresee that we continue our growth track of the 25% organically. And that's what we factored in and laid out to investors that we sign up for that and very comfortable with parts of that being our core, core e-commerce business, right? And other parts being our platform businesses. So the third parties that interact on our platform, that business will growing in share over the next five years. And all of that together, you know, organically will be 25% in the next years to come. Now, that's not factoring any other acquisitions, right? And that's actually the exciting bit here because our market is so fragmented. There's a lot of smaller regional players also in the U.S. in our verticals and in our, in our categories. And, you know, there's, there's, there's great other targets out there. Uh, we will, we'll see. But any other acquisition that we do, and we have done quite a lot in the past, and we'll continue to do that in the, in the future. Any further acquisition is not factored into our plan yet, right? So the whole plan is purely organic. And actually, we already are in two conversations, uh, you know, live right now that uh, that might cut through uh, when after the D-spec, let's see TBD. But it's it's exciting times for sports retail, I can tell you that. It's, it's really exciting. The consolidation, that's the, the opportunity out there to consolidate is, is, is really real. And it's it's exciting. So that, that's what we are very excited about. Yeah, you know, that was going to be my uh, last question here before I turn over to Mitch, but M&A. So, you know, it, it sounds like you're already in talks with a couple of companies. Uh, I don't know if you can comment, but is the preferred method uh, to maybe go after some international companies to gain entry to those markets? Or will you continue to look, uh, you know, in Europe to build out your already dominant position or a combination of both? It's a combination of both, right? And as you rightly know and say, uh, M&A is not, not as predictable as organic growth, right? So we are in conversations with many companies all the time. Uh, we, we like to say or call ourselves the buyer of choice here in our verticals because joining our platform, if you, if you are a seller, if you wish, right? And often in our industry, there's still a founder on board, right? That, that's passionate about this business. If you are a founder, you know, you can scale your business to the next level, leveraging our skills, expertise, and capabilities. And that's next to the, the next to the price you get for, for your asset. That, that's an exciting proposition for many to join us because, you know, there's no other, there's no other natural haven, if you wish, for those companies to join, uh, except for maybe private equity companies that give you a lot of resources, right? But we don't just give you the resource. We give you access to all of our technical and, and process capabilities. And that's the exciting bit for many of, of the companies that have sold to us in the past. And I'm sure that will be in the future as well. All right. So what I want to get into is some of the verticals and some of the kind of the customizations that you guys offer. A lot of this comes with partnerships, right? Um, one of the things that I've been looking at is the partnership with Wilson and how you guys can kind of do kind of this custom racket. Can you explain me how this process works? Yes, sure. So you see on this chart, here, you see Serena Williams, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you can roll the video on it. Probably not. But there's a little video where Serena actually spreads the words for us, right? Which is so great. I mean, it's, it's amazing. She's saying, if you want to play like me and you want to play with your Wilson Blade record, right? Buy your Bl Wilson Blade record at Tennis Point. And Tennis Point is our uh, e-commerce proposition for tennis enthusiasts, right? So that's that, that I get goosebumps when I hear that every time. So that's great. And, and the, the, the even better thing of Serena saying that is that how we get it. And that's your point, right? We, we are such a close relationship here with, we work with the industry, in this case with Wilson very closely. So many times when Wilson is actually taking the next, uh, you know, uh, uh, the next commercial with Serena or with other stars, right? Roger Federer, others, then, uh, you know, we get a slice of that, of that time. And then she gets these kind of uh, spreading the words out, right? Which yeah. is obviously super helpful for us. So that's how it works. Typically, you know, there's not a lot of money involved. It's basically the, the great relationship and obviously Serena, you know, uh, knows our business to a degree and, you know, doesn't doesn't object here because it's, a tennis point is the right thing to do commercials for. Right. It's it's a tennis proposition. It's, again, it's not a one size fits all. It's a specialized tennis proposition. So that gives us, I think, the right here 
to, to, to leverage her. And we are very, very grateful for that. Definitely, definitely. And one of the things that I definitely have known, and, and when you when we get into tennis rackets, they definitely can get slight customization, whether you're talking about the, the length, the strength of the, the, the tightness of the strings, what kind of strings you got. I mean, there's so many customizations. So I think that this is this is an interesting area. And then I also saw the create your own outfit. I, I like that. I mean, yeah. who, who doesn't want to create their own outfit, especially with tennis? I mean, is this something that you wear kind of on a daily, especially if you play it on a daily? So explain me the customization of the outfit. That sounds interesting also. Yes, yes. Let me give you one more thing on the tennis piece. So stringing, as you said, right, is the heart of a successful tennis player. So we customize 100,000 records a year just to call a number, right? Uh, that's at scale. That's a very important service. And that's a special specialty service, right, that nobody else offers to that scale. So team jerseys, what do we offer there? So you can actually create your team jersey set, uh, you know, that, that that is often a hassle. Imagine you're the captain of your, your boys or girls soccer team or your football team or whatever, right? And every year, and you're not the professional one that every, everything gets organized automatically. You have to organize it yourself. So typically, uh, you know, at least here in Europe, you still do that with a pen and a paper. You write down all the kids' names, right, all the kids' sizes, all the kids' numbers that they want, and kind of typically you mix it up, and then you go to your local store in the past, and he kind of needs to put it into a system, order it, and puts then the numbers and names and, and uh, into, onto the right sizes of, of the jersey sets, right? And as you can imagine, um, many things typically don't end up where you wanted them to end up. So, so little Carl gets the, the wrong size of his shirt and he's crying and blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's over now with. Uh, you can do that digitally. You can go to our site. There's a configurator. You can actually online configure all the jerseys, sets, names, numbers, sponsors, everything on it. Then we print it for you and send you the whole box of the team jerseys as you wanted it, right? No hassle. Very easy, very clear, very, very quick. And that's one of the specific services and customization we offer for our team sports, for example. Definitely. So the next question I want to get into, I think it just expands off of the, the vertical. And so how does this kind of work all the way up through the levels? You know, I want to get into eventually how you guys even do kind of a downstream to retailers to that local version. But explain me how the, the platform kind of works here. Yeah, sure. So at the lower level here, you see all the different services that you need to run a successful e-commerce business eventually, right? From front-end technology to dynamic pricing engines to online marketing tools to customer service, also fulfillment services, not just software, it's also operations behind this. So all of that is basically what we assembled over the last years. And the middle layer describes our customers. The first one is, you know, our own businesses, our own e-commerce businesses. Those are the brands you see there, the tennis points and so on. Those are our e-commerce businesses where we buy and sell products and leverage the platform capabilities in order to process all of that, right? The next one, the middle layer, uh, the middle of the middle layer is enterprises. That's where we walk, you know, brands through our uh, proposition. So the ATP, uh, others you see there, and also retailers. So uh, in Europe, we've connected with more than 500 offline independent offline stores, uh, bike stores at this, in this respect, uh, and they can connect to the platform and receive orders from us uh, and deliver those orders. So click and collect service, right? Give you an example. You buy uh, one of your bikes at one of our sites, Bikester, for example, or maybe Wiggle CSC in the future, <laughs> Wiggle or Chain Reaction Cycles, and then you can click an option of delivery saying, I don't want to have it shipped at home. I want it shipped to my favorite store around the corner because I trust that guy. He's great in service. And I want to pick it up there. Now, if that's a partner of ours, right? We deliver it to that store. That store gets a fee for it, obviously. He finally assembles the bike, you know, a couple of tweaks. That's not a lot. And then delivers it to the customer, uh, to you. And now you can, you know, being in the store, you can be upsold and cross-sold by the, by the merchant in the store, right? He's happy to sell you a helmet or a jacket or a, a bottle or, you know, a pump or whatever it is, right? Extra tires. So that's how it works. And it also works the way around if the customer goes into the store, into the little bike store around the corner, and wants the bike that he loves, not in black, but in silver, let's say, or in red or in blue or whatever, and the bike store doesn't have it because, you know, obviously in those little or smaller stores, inventory is limited, right? There's limited space, there's limited inventory. And we have terminals out there where the bike store owner can actually order that bike from us because we have by far the largest selection here. Uh, very, very likely that we have exactly the bike that the customer wants. And then the merchant actually made made his customer that came through his store into his shop, made this customer happy by, you know, and we don't even appear there, right? We just deliver the bike to him and he it's basically his bike that he sells to his, 
his customer. That's how it works in terms of working together with the with the, with the retailers. Uh, everything kind of processed through our platform. And then to finish it up, the last part of the uh, of the pyramid there of of the sandwich, the right part of the middle layer, that's the communities, right? That we connect with. So those are tracking uh, tracking devices and communities like a Fitbit or Strava, and those are more specialized uh, communities like Komoot. That's a parallel. That's a similar app like uh, All Trails in the U.S. So an outdoor app that shows you maps on your trails and, and guides you through the, through, the, through the coolest trails. That's where we connect with. And often we are exclusive merchandise partner here where somebody who is on his trail, something breaks or he has an inspiration, wants to buy a new backpack or something else. He can go right in our shop. It's a one click thing and buy the, buy, the, buy the stuff with us. So that's the type of things we do in order to expand our, our capabilities into the ecosystem, right? Not just leverage it for our own e-commerce stores. Definitely, definitely. I do like how that local retailer kind of approach is definitely going to help uh, a lot of these stores kind of get to access to customers that they normally wouldn't have. And so exactly. definitely going to going to pay attention to that, see how it ex expands to grow and definitely helping out us small businesses there. So the next thing I want to get into, guys, is right here. It says it. And, and, and I would love to hear your explanation. Why are you guys the one and only sports vertical killer here? It's a very humble statement, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Let, let, let's see what you let's see what you got, man. Let, let, let me let me hear it. Yes, yes, yes. So we did that in comparison to the other verticals, right? To other mm -hmm. non-sports verticals. If you look at the chart here, fashion, right? And those are European players now. The Hut Group, Farfetch, Zalando, all listed great companies, right? Successful public companies. Similar in, in food delivery, right? You see the names there. And also in the U.S., similar FMCG, other other companies there. So what, what's what's the same in those verticals is that from an online retail perspective, there's a lot of strong companies fighting for share, right? Fighting for consumers, fighting for market share, for attention, everything, right? It's great. Those are great companies, but it's a it's a competitive market. If you now move on to sports, right, and look into that vertical with all the fragmentation that the that it has. We are by far the largest there, and we are the only one who have built these capabilities out to date, right, that I just talked about. So uh, there's a pretty big distance to the second in terms of volume, and there's a pretty big distance from a capabilities perspective to other players as well. Uh, hence, you know, we were so humble, say, look, right now we are the one and only category killer. And if we continue on our growth track record, as we've done in the past, and if you continue now with a, you know, going public, with the resources we get to invest in the platform business, invest in further acquisitions, then, you know, the distance to the next is basically just growing, right? So uh, that's why we were so shy of saying, uh, you know, this might be a one and only category killer opportunity for investors. Well, definitely. I'm sure that everybody loved to hear that answer. So one thing we're going to do now is going to get into now, it looks like we got some chat questions. A lot of times when here on SPAX Attack, we like to get our questions from our chat because at the end of the day, those are the investors out there really wondering about your company. So go ahead, Chris, what, what we got out there? Yeah, you know, and as you said, and then we discussed, you know, some people may not be as familiar with the company. So I know there has been some questions out there. And that's why we brought you on, right, is we want people to become aware, you know, of Cigna Sports. So we have a question here from Carl. Uh, I think you answered a lot of it, but asking about brick and mortar. So it looks like, you know, you work with a lot of the brick and mortar uh, retailers. Will there ever be plans to, you know, own your own retail stores or will this be, you know, a, a pure play e-commerce uh, all the way? Yeah, that's a great question, Carl. Thanks. I appreciate it. So we also do have some retail stores our own, right? Uh, but they are, they are few and they typically don't uh, serve the purpose of just selling. They're typically, if you wish, a marketing uh, for marketing purposes. They're, they're kind of uh, big shops uh, to lighthouse our sports, right? Uh, and just to pull your attention to our latest one, that's a tennis store in Barcelona, Barcelona in Spain, right? Pretty hip city. And it's not somewhere in the outskirts of Barcelona. It's right there on the Ramblas, which is the main shopping uh, street in, in Barcelona, next to the Louis Vuitton store. And that tells you something, right? that tells you that we want to bring, it's a flagship store, basically. You want to bring the attention to tennis in a very nice, digitally enhanced way into the physical world as well. And by the way, this has been a store that's also subsidized and, you know, partly paid by the industry, right? So we, we do that with the brands together because they want to display their great Wilson records or Bubble records as well, right where the consumer is, right, right on the high street. So those are examples of what we do. 
Um, similar in bike, we have a store, for example, in Lyon in France, right? Uh, our, our managing director for that space calls it the temple, right? It's basically a bike temple where the community meets, right? You, you have, uh, you know, bike rides taking place from there. You have all kinds of competitions in the store, right? Be it a you know, virtual, virtual race or whatever, all of that's taking space. You obviously can buy stuff in the store too, but it's really more a meeting point and a branding and a marketing thing together with the industry to really kind of increase the passion and the, and the awareness and the visibility of those sports. That's how we think about offline as an extension to our, you know, otherwise pure e-commerce business. Perfect. And then uh, I, I'm excited about this question. We have a question from AJ, one of our loyal viewers here. Uh, we talked a little bit about M&A within country. Uh, the question is ambitions on expanding onto other sports, mentioning football, soccer, rugby, and then also saying they would uh, be great with golf if they could break into that market. What's the thoughts on uh, hitting uh, some new verticals here outside of those big four that you're already operating in? Yeah, that's a smart question too. <laughs> Very smart question. So yes, rightly said, there's some other categories that are, you know, similarly in terms of characteristics from ours, right? Uh, so just to give you a couple of those, we look into a anchor product, right? That that's there where you can differentiate on, right? Uh, tennis, it's tennis racket, it bites the bike, and so on. And golf is obviously clubs. We look at something where you, there's certain there's an ecosystem that you can work together with, right? Not just the brands, but also maybe clubs, associations, in, in any way, form form of shape, organizations. We look obviously into growing categories, right? That are that are that are good, and then we look into the players that are you know regional, founder-driven, and so on, to really kind of be passionate about that sport. So there's a couple of other categories that that lend themselves uh, and, and and tick the boxes of those criteria, um, and we are we are interested in those. However, it, it's a timing thing, right? Right now we are we are uh, we are there's a lot of growth opportunities in our four categories as we speak. So the first priority for us is to really leverage the growth in our categories to come to a very strong position in those categories and operate from that position of strength as we have it in bike now, as we have it in tennis, and as we will and, and like to have it in outdoor and also in team sports. Right, that, That's the priority number one, leverage that. And then a little bit the midterm, if you wish, maybe is it 12, 24 months, we will look into expanding our portfolio of, of categories to these uh, ones that, that lend themselves towards those criteria. So great question, right on strategy, uh, just a little bit down the line. Yeah, you know, one thing, um, I got two things here. One thing, me coming out of Colorado, I can definitely tell you the outdoor trend is on the continue coming up. Uh, another thing that I want to point out, too, is mentioned down below the football, you know, the Euro coming on right now. I'm sure yeah. you guys are watching it. I'm sure <laughs> there's some kind of ideas that you guys had flowing, but uh, I'm sure we'll be paying attention to that. I know Chris and I are enjoying it. We we love the, the competition. We love the yes. tournaments. I'm sure you do, yeah. too. Yes, for sure, for sure. What, what's true. your team? I got to know. Well, my team in the Euro is obviously Germany, right? I'm a German. Of course, of oh, course. Yeah, I'm speaking for Germany, right? Believe but even have to admit, the UK team was very brave as well uh, on the on the on the play yesterday or the on, on Sunday, I think it was, right? Very, very strong. So it's, there's great stuff happening there. I mean, there's so much passion, so much commitment. Uh, it's great to watch. Totally agree. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I, I'm cheering for the German team. I, I have to say, you know, Germany in that group F, that group of death, you know, Tuesday, it, Tuesday. It, it concerns me a little, but I, I did pick Germany to advance out of that group. My team is the Netherlands. That's where my uh, family heritage comes from. All right. But we, we got a 3-2 win yesterday. It wasn't pretty. You know, we had a 2-0 lead that uh, disappeared rather fastly, but uh, <laughs> we did get the win, but exciting times. So, um, that's going to do it for the interview today, though. Some great questions out of the chat. So shout out to our team there. Joining us on SPACs Attack, uh, Stephen Zoll, the CEO of Cigna Sports. Company announced a SPAC merger going public. That ticker is YAC. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us on SPACs Attack today. We look forward to uh, following the progress uh, going forward. Thank you guys a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thank of you. Course, of course. All right, guys, you guys heard it first here on Spax Attack. If you guys didn't know, I actually got German citizenship. Ah, a little secret hidden note that you guys don't know. I actually have some German citizenship, and I'm looking forward to coming back to Germany. I want to go and, and visit uh, Munich and, and really kind of enjoy it. I've been in Berlin and Frankfurt, but I, I want to visit all over, so super excited. Who knows? 
maybe I get to, to visit some Cigna Sports. We'll definitely be looking forward towards that. So if you guys enjoyed that interview, enjoy us getting these companies on. And I mean, how quick did we do it? Definitely, guys, give us a thumbs up. Let everybody know also in the comments. Hit us up in the comments. Let us know. Uh, did you guys like the interview? What you guys thought? What do you think, Chris? Yeah, you know, guys, smash the like. We broke this deal exclusively on Friday. It, it was at about 12.30 a.m., so you weren't able to trade shares yet. But it shows the significance of this show, right? We're able to break these deals. We're able to bring on a company like Cigna today, you know, a, a one business day after this deal is announced. Uh, you know, we're bringing you the best CEOs of these companies as they announce deals. Shout out to Zoli for bringing us these great uh, interviews on the show. Yeah, you know, Carl commenting there, uh, interesting to see that he did mention golf first um, out of those different acquisition targets. Um, I like that too, right? Golf is hot. We've talked, you know, Callaway, Titleist, some of these brands um, seeing tremendous growth. I think right now, you know, as he said, their big focus is going to be, you know, growing their own uh, segments, completing that bike merger, and then also, uh, you know, gaining entry into, uh, you know, new areas like the U.S. And then I think down the road, we get some acquisitions and some other sports. So I'd love to see them hit on, you know, golf, soccer, all those right now. But I think we might be a little ways away from that. Uh, but this is an interesting company that, you know, I, I can say I knew very little about prior to this merger, um, but really an e-commerce peer play. And let's face it, if you tried to buy a bicycle right now, Mitch, even here in the U.S., like good luck because they're in such demand. And here you have, you know, one of the biggest bike companies globally for e-commerce. I mean, I think they can smash expansion in the U.S. here. All right, and here you guys are seeing the chart of YAC. As you guys see on the announcement, look at the amount of volume that was in here. 2.8 million shares there. It's not like it was uh, It was trading on average about 26,000 volume. Uh, maybe you could say 50,000 shares if you wanted to push it a little bit higher. But 2 million shares there. The only thing that I'm going to be looking for is if to see if we can fill this gap on the downside. But it does look it does look attractive here. You know, one of the things is with that amount of volume, when it comes back up through that level, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to this stock. The high on that day was 997. So, of course, watch through that $10 level. We'll keep this one on radar. YAC, one thing I definitely mentioned, and, and I have played a little bit of tennis, and, man, it, it does get customized. You would think that it would be a little bit more simple and, and kind of a simple sport. You know, you just pick a racket, you know, get some good tennis shoes, and go out there. But really, there's so much more to tennis than most people don't know about. And I know that there's tennis players out there, definitely in our chat. So who knows? Check this out. You know, I, I might have to get my dad a new racket. You know, I, I know he's playing some tennis on the side. So who knows? Maybe, maybe I have to take a look. All right, guys, let's get into uh, another segment here. We're going to go ahead and transition over. Chris has some stocks that he wants to uh, bring up, not only just to keep them on watch, but there is some news out there. So let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about that, Chris. Yeah, so let's bring up uh, SPCE, Virgin Galactic. So I didn't get a chance to hit on this in the headlines. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's smash the like out there, guys. I I'm going to give you three tickers, I think, right now uh, to watch today. Um, so Virgin Galactic, right? Shares are up today. Um, I, I think the biggest catalyst here, you know, I've, I've been calling this one out for a couple of weeks is that Amazon, well, Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, right, was going to auction off a seat to space. Then it was announced that Jeff Bezos is going to space. So now the winner of that auction actually gets to go to space with Jeff Bezos. That auction was held over the weekend and that seat, $28 million, the winning bid. And there were over 20 people that qualified for the live bidding on that seat by meeting certain qualifications. Now, obviously, that's only one seat, but I think there's still strong demand, um, and it may be a limited group to begin with, but there's demand from people to go to space. So Virgin Galactic, I think, has a couple of years once they can you know, get this uh, aircraft into space that people are going to you know, pay. To, to go to space. I mean, it's not something I'm going to do this year, right? Uh, you know, to spend the money to go to space. But I think there is a, a market there. And I think that this bid, you know, showed 
that maybe uh, there's some demand there. And now the space race begins, right, to see if Virgin Galactic can beat Blue Origin um, to space. So, you know, when that when that successful flight was just announced, shares were at 25. And the big question was, you know, do you sell now or, or do you hold? And, you know, I heard a lot of people, you know, saying to, to sell. And, and I cautioned, you know, that, you know, you should probably sell some to take profits, but that there were more catalysts coming. And, and that's what we're starting to see play out in this one. Uh, the other one, Mitch, uh, DCRC. Um, so this is the one that is rumored to be bringing solid power public. Solid power, a solid state battery company. Um, shares up, is it 5% today, a 4% now? They were up about 6% earlier. So this deal, again, has not been announced. But the news out today is that uh, the CEO of Solid Power is part of a battery panel today with the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm. Um, so again, if this deal gets announced, you now have Solid Power getting some love from the, the U.S. government. They're also backed by Ford um, and BMW. So I, I'm liking this one. And, and look at that price, right? We haven't seen a, a pre announced deal price spike this much, um, you know, in recent history over the $10 level. So I think if this one gets announced, we could really see some action in this one as it looks like people are pretty excited if this deal goes through. What do you think, Mitch, about this one? Yeah, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on it. One thing I'm looking for is new patterns, right? So right now, I'm not necessarily looking to jump in these right now, but I'm looking to see if we can start getting a pattern. Because it's not necessarily about just picking one. Because if you pick one, I mean, hey, I mean, that's just that's just getting lucky, right? But we want to see kind of a pattern with these. Do we start seeing this pattern consistently? So now that you've seen it, now one thing I'm going to do is to start paying attention to some other announced deals to see how those kind of move. And you mentioned one earlier today that I'll take a look at to see if it could come back roaring by the end of the day. That was S-V-O-C, F-V-O-K. S-V-O-K. Yes, that's yep. going to be one that I'm going to be watching to see if it can get back above $10 today on that deal announcement. Let's see if we can get some push. You know, just like that, that's what I'm going to be watching, Chris. What do you think about that Virgin Orbit rumor, uh, NGAC? Uh, I, I think when I pulled up the chart, there was quite a big candle uh, on that one from uh, pre-market trading. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one, you know, we've been talking about Virgin Orbit for, for months, Mitch, right? That... Uh, you know, uh, people were, you know, speculating that uh, Virgin Orbit could go with, you know, the Virgin SPAC or with, um, you know, Ajax, right? One of the bigger SPACs. And yep. now here we get this rumor for NG uh, or N actually it's NGCA. There, there, there's two of them. This uh, so NGCA is the the rumor here. Um, you know, I, I I'm liking it, and I think Virgin Orbit's uh, going to get some attention if that deal's announced. No, definitely. I think it's one to keep on radar. I was actually looking at another company that maybe is, that was going to maybe come after this one. I was looking at Apollo. Apollo, I was looking at to see if it was going to come after this one, but looks like NGAC getting that rumor out. I think that's a good one to watch. Remember when, when I first started watching VGAC, I thought that's what was going to happen. I mean, when I, when I first, first started watching VGAC, that's what I thought was going to happen. And then we found out later, later that it was 21 and, and me. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an, a watch on this one. I think this is one that you got to go ahead and maybe take a shot down closer towards that 10. One thing that I will show you guys is look at the amount of volume that came in to the open. So here's that nine, eight, nine o'clock hour. Then you get that 10 o'clock. Now you got that 11 o'clock. There's a lot of volume that's starting to come in here down at the bottom. Why is it coming at the bottom? Because even if it gets back up towards that wick, that 1080, that's a, that's a, almost a 10% move just up towards that that wick. So I, I think you can look at this one and kind of you could take a shot off with some support there, 990s or something like that, a little close, 10 cent risk, looking for an 80 cent pop. It's not a bad looking approach there. All right. Any other one you want to mention before we get on out of here, Chris? Yeah, so one more quick before we go. Uh, FTOC, you mentioned Payoneer at the top. We do have a vote for Payoneer coming this month. The The one thing I got to point out here, and I didn't know this much prior to uh, the last week, that the new uh, prime minister of uh, Israel, he actually, so uh, Bennett is his last name. He actually owns a, a stake in Payoneer. Um, so I, I think that's a important thing to note here. And, you know, there is talks, maybe he will sell his stake. 
um, as part of the deal. But otherwise, you're going to have a foreign leader owning a, a, a stake in a uh, cross-border payment company. I, I, I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth on whether that could be a positive or a negative. Um, I think it could be both. Uh, but I think that's something to watch here with Payoneer. Um, it might be one of the questions we need answered uh, going into this vote. What do you, what do you think? Should a, should a foreign leader be able to uh, own a sizable stake in a, a company like Payoneer or uh, should that be sold? Honestly, at the end of the day, just look at all the Chinese companies. That's all I got to say. <laughs> like if, if, you knew, if you knew how many uh, money was from the uh, Chinese government in those stocks, you would be like, oh, okay. I guess you can do this. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think it turns into a huge positive then, or you think it's just, uh, you know, just uh, Honestly, a normal news item? And I just want to make sure here before I, I, I say it. Yeah, I got shook out this morning. So uh, looks like I got shook out this morning. I got shook out at the ten fifteen. Honestly, almost a low today. Just just attacked my stop. You know how that goes, guys. Um, I was looking for this one to get back above 11. I had this one last week and it looked like it was getting up towards that level. So really what I want to see is the end of day strong move through 10.22. If it can lift up through that, get up there past that, let's say 10.35, it's still going to be looking great. So we'll take a look to see if this pattern continues. And that's an FTOC. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Up next, you guys got a great interview on Power Hour. Stay tuned, guys. That show is where the hype gets started. If you guys like the hype, 12 o'clock, that's when we start getting hyped up. You guys already know we do it good here on SPAX Attack, give you the information, get you the interviews that you guys want to see out there. So definitely, definitely, guys, smash the like. If you didn't check out last week's interview on BFly, I recommend going and check that out because that was a really good interview there. It wasn't only on BFly. Also, you got QSI that's been going down. We'll take a look to see if this continues. But definitely, guys, we'll see you guys tomorrow on the SPACs attack baby ah!